If you were in a profession licensed by one of the more than 40 boards with the South Carolina Labor and Licensing Regulation, and you receive a complaint against your license, would you know what to do? Let's go to the bench. The latest in legal news and information from Collins and Lacey, a leading South Carolina defense firm for construction, workers' comp, hospitality, retail, trucking, professional liability, mediation, corporate, government, and business law. This is The Legal Bench. And welcome to The Legal Bench. I'm Michael Burney, Director of Business Development at Collins and Lacey Law Firm, and pleased to have with me today Robert Peel. Robert is a lawyer here at Collins and Lacey where he focuses his practice on construction litigation, trucking defense, and professional liability claims. He represents individuals, businesses, and their insurance carriers in all 46 counties of South Carolina. Okay, Rob, let's dive right in with the question at the top today. The bottom line for our listeners, if you get served a labor licensing and regulation complaint against your license, what should you do? Thank you, Michael, for uh, letting me join you today. The first thing you would do is do not ignore the complaint. You you should call me or our firm at 803-256-2660. We have four or five lawyers who serve this particular practice group. We recommend that you do not ignore the complaint because if you do not answer it, an adverse ruling could be entered against your license. So what is the history of the South Carolina Labor Licensing and Regulation? Well, the South Carolina Labor License and Regulation is governed under South Carolina Code of Law Section 40-1-10. The South Carolina Labor License and Regulation is under the governor's office. It was enacted because the unregulated practice can endanger the health, safety, and welfare of the public. Specialized practice differentiates it from ordinary skill and labor. Specialized training requires specialized skill and training, and the general public is not protected by any other means. So when you talk about regulation, what practices are in the domain of the South Carolina labor licensing and regulation? Can you give us some examples? Sure. There are approximately 41 practice areas that um, uh, that govern 350,000 licenses, and examples of um, The practice areas are accountancy, athletic commissioners, contractors, licensing boards, funeral homes, um, optometrists, pharmacists, cosmetology. So it kind of runs the gamut. So a lot of professionals out there are covered. So tell us more about how complaints against licenses work when they are received at the LLR. What happens? Well, approximately each year, South Carolina LLR's Office of Investigation and Enforcement receives complaints against 2% of licenses they issue. Typically, an initial complaint must be received in writing. The LLR assigns the complaint analyst to determine its veracity, and that process takes about seven days. If the complaint does not reasonably align to the Board's Practices Act, the complaint is designated as do not open and a letter is sent to the complainant notifying him and her that the complaint has not been open. If the complaint does reasonably align to the Board's Practices Act, the complaint is signed to an investigator. Within 30 days, the respondent, which is the licensee, receives a letter notifying that a complaint has been filed. The letter will include a detailed notice of the facts leading to the, to the complaint. 
at this point, uh, I would recommend that you retain counsel to discuss with your lawyer about your personal knowledge of the facts and circumstances which you believe led to the filing of the complaint. I would not recommend to communicate directly with South Carolina LLR after you receive this complaint because anything you say with them can be used against you in the prosecution of the complaint. And what are some other tips um, should you get a complaint? Like I said earlier, I would not give a written or oral statement to an investigator before you consult with a lawyer. Typically, when we have dealt with these LLR complaints in the past, our office will gather documents and act as a conduit between you and LLR. However, if you choose not to uh, consult with a lawyer, I once again recommend do not ignore the letter of inquiry because the investigation will proceed even if you ignore it. Once an investigator has assigned the complaint, he has subpoena power and can issue subpoenas pursuant to South Carolina Code Section 1, excuse me, 4180. The review by the investigator can take anywhere from 60 to 180 days. And after the investigator completes his report, he or she refers his or her report to a chief investigator. The report details relevant statute regulation violations and supporting evidence. And the final summary report is then presented to an investigative review committee for consideration. The investigative review committee then reviews the results of the investigation to determine whether sufficient evidence exists of a violation of the act to warrant formal proceedings. The investigative review committee usually consists of a chief investigator, the board administrator, an LLR attorney from the Office of General Counsel, and a professional member of the appointed by the board. After review, the RSC makes a recommendation to the board to either dismiss the complaint, issue a formal complaint, or issue a letter of caution. The board has the final say of what happens. So what else can you tell us about what happens once the board takes up a case? Well, the board typically um, goes in one of three directions. The board will either decide to dismiss the complaint. The board administrator will then send a letter to the respondent and the case is closed. The board oftentimes issues a formal complaint and the Office of General Counsel prepares a complaint outlining the charges of the alleged statutory violations. The formal complaint is then served on the respondent. In rare instances, the board may issue a letter of caution, and the board administrators issues a non-disciplinary letter of caution that explains the board has determined no statutory violation exists and the matter is dismissed. However, the letter typically cautions the respondent to be mindful of a particular statute or regulation. And then we have what's called the formal complaint. What is that? If the formal complaint is warranted, the investigative re- review committee often sets resolution parameters that contain proposed sanctions. In some cases, or I actually would say in most cases, the respondent is given an opportunity to sign a consent agreement where the facts, statutory violations, and sanctions are agreed to by the state and the respondent. The consent agreement is then presented to the board for disposition, and the board can accept or reject the agreement. In lieu of signing consent agreement or another negotiated resolution, a respondent can choose to have a full hearing before the board, and this hearing before the board is a contested case under the Administrative Procedures Act. And then there can be a hearing. Do I have that right? Tell us about that part of the process. Yes, sir. The respondent can option for a contested case hearing, and the hearing before the board is similar to a court proceeding and is conducted pursuant to the Administrative Procedures Act. The parties are the state, which are represented by an attorney from the LLR's Office of General Counsel, and then the respondent. 
The respondent has the right to appear alone or to be represented by his or her attorney. First, the state presents its case and has the burden of proved allegations in the complaint. The respondent then presents his or her case. After the case concludes, the board deliberates in executive session. After coming out of executive session, the board takes a vote on the disposition of the case or takes the matter under advisement. Now, what about sanctions? Tell us about that. Typically, the sanctions are derived from statutes and regulations and vary from board to board. Typically, you will see the sanctions generally range from a private or public reprimand up to license revocation. And then you have what's called the final order? The final order is the final written findings, and after the hearing is concluded, the board will issue this order. The board may find a statutory violation has occurred and issue an order setting forth the specific findings and conclusions of the law to support its ruling. Alternatively, the board may issue an order dismissing the complaint. All these board orders, except those designated as private and those dismissing a, a case or complaint are public under the South Carolina FOIA law. A respondent has 30 days to appeal an adverse order of the board to the administrative law, uh, law court. After review by the administrative law court, the appellate process then goes on for, to the South Carolina Court of Appeals and ultimately to the South Carolina Supreme Court. So what is the legal standard of review in the South Carolina Administrative Law Court? The typical standard of review in the South Carolina Administrative Law Court consists of the stating that the court may reverse or modify the decision if substantial rights of the appellant have been prejudiced because administrative findings, inferences, conclusions, or decisions are A, in violation of constitutional statutory provisions, B, in excess of the statutory authority of the agency, C, made upon unlawful procedure, D, affected by a other error of law, E, clearly erroneous in view of the reliable, probative, or substantial evidence of the whole record, or F, uh, arbitrary or capricious or characterized by an abuse of discretion or clearly unwarranted exercise of discretion. So this has been very thorough, Rob. I could see how someone who has a license and receives a complaint, it could be very intimidating or very confusing. So what are the bottom line takeaways that you would recommend to someone if they do receive a complaint? Uh, I would break it down this way. Um, if you receive a complaint, do not ignore it. It will not go away. They will, LLR will prosecute it, and um, so basically do not ignore it. If you receive a complaint, call us. Sometimes uh, in your profession, and you may have errors or omission um, professional liability coverage. Sometimes your insurance company will pay the cost to defend you. If you receive a complaint, check with your insurance company to see if you have coverage and file a claim. Uh, Most importantly, my experience is never sign a consent agreement with LLR. Most of the time, the consent agreement will be used against you in civil litigation and is a hurdle which is difficult to overcome. Your rights are more protected if you request a contested case hearing. If you'd like to have a contested case hearing, 
we can defend you during that process. Well, this has been very complete, and thank you for taking us through all of this. And we want to thank Robert Peel, lawyer with Collins and Lacey, for helping us understand how to handle LLR complaints. And stay tuned for more legal news of interest when you join us right here for the next episode of The Legal Bench. You've been listening to The Legal Bench from the South Carolina defense firm Collins and Lacey. Learn more at collinsandlacey.com. 